back, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. I hope you're having a great Monday. The music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. His new album is called Angst and Grace. And John, we're so thankful that you shared your music with us this season. I really, really appreciate it. And as we transition to some new music starting next week with our Ennea Summer, talking all about the Enneagram for the next couple of weeks, we just want to say thanks again to John for sharing his incredible music with us for the first part of this year. And today on the show, I'm so excited, you guys. We have Louis Giglio. His teaching, his writings have just meant the world to me for the last, I don't know, 20-something years. Probably like many of you, Louis has been a voice in my spiritual development and my spiritual life for so long, and I am so thankful to get to sit down with him. Just a quick reminder, his wife, Shelly, also has an episode. It is episode 106 from last fall, so make sure you jump back and listen to that as well. Louis has a new book that is just released about life with a perfect Heavenly Father. It's really, really great, so I hope you will enjoy this conversation. We go to a lot of different places. Start off with a real big announcement. Louis starts off with a big announcement that I think you're going to care about that really changed my life, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with pastor, author, and a hero to many of us, Louis Giglio. Okay, wait, you have breaking news for us. On, I can't believe you're bringing such uh, meaningful news to us that there's new LaCroix flavors? Well, there's a big debate in the world, of obviously, you know, big theological divide <laughs> in the church right now. Particularly in your home church. <clears throat> in our church about yeah. LaCroix. Yes. And so Christian Stanfield needs to get a sponsorship. If you're out there, LaCroix, <laughs> I'm telling you, right? this is your guy. Call him up. And then there are others, but uh, I saw this just recently, Annie. There's a groundbreaking announcement today right here on the Annie F. Downs podcast. I can't podcast. believe it. You know, when I met John Gray, you know John yes, Gray, the pastor? Yeah. I called him the whole time we were together, Real John Gray. Yeah, because that's his Twitter I said, or Instagram man, this handle. is so great to meet you, Real John Gray. And I was like, I mean, John Gray. <laughs> and when I say your name, I want to say Annie F. Downs. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Do people way. call you Annie F. Downs or they just say Annie? I, I, I think if I saw Both. you in the grocery store, I'd say, hi, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> I'd be anyway, like, Anyway, <laughs> brand new announcement. Uh, okay. okay, you ready? Yes. The first flavor, this is a knockout hint of hint of hint of lime. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one, this, this other one is great though. Okay. Uh, transported in a truck with bananas. <laughs> <laughs> these are only oh. names, these are only uh, new flavors that would come from a LaCroix hater. Yes, well, yeah. I'm not a hater. That's a strong word. I, I just, uh, you know, some people don't get it, and I might be in that camp. Right, right. But, um, the other, this other flavor is really great. Oh, though. I'm looking forward a to it. Single skittle <laughs> dissolved single. in a gallon of water. <laughs> I do. Oh my gosh, that is. I mean, it's bad how true that description is. Oh my goodness, so, you're exactly right. So watch for those kids. They're coming uh, any minute now. Yeah, that's right. Um, we loved having the Passion Band on the show. It's just amazing the people you have around you doing ministry with you. You know, people say that you, you're you only as good as the people you have around you. Yeah. And we have done a lot in life, but it's only because of the great collection of people that God has put in our stream, past, present, and hopefully future. But we got some amazing people, not just talented. The thing I love, everywhere I go, people say the Passion Band came to our event, our conference, our festival, whatever, Nicest people we've ever had here. Yes. 
nicest people we've ever had here. The nicest people we've ever had here. And I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. To be great and talented uh, like these guys are, but to still be servants, to be humble, to be real, um, I love it. And I feel so honored and so privileged to have those guys around, be on the team with them. Yeah. I mean, it's mind-boggling, obviously. So for any of our friends who are listening that run a nonprofit or run a business or run a church, how do you even find those people? Like, I think that, that people start? are attracted to vision. And the, the mm. hard thing for people running their own organizations right now that I would say it's not so much, if you're not attracting great people, you need to look at your vision mm. because vision attracts people. Okay. Big vision attracts great people. People want to be a part of big things, of things that are moving forward in faith. They don't necessarily want to flock to something that looks like it's stuck in time. Right. And passion has always had enough vision, and it's always attracted a lot of people. The challenge for leadership is to figure out of the attraction, attractional factor, what's going on in there, who are the people that are really called mm. and committed versus who are the people who are just fans of the brand. Oh, and that's I mean, interesting. I use the word brand in a, in a kind way. I don't, we, it's not all the way down to brand, you know, right, our passion right, right. brand, but just right. the passion movement. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are fans, but as you're adding people to your team, you don't want just the passionate people. You want right. passionate, called people. How do you tell the difference? Um, well, the fans can <laughs> the fans can not tell you the truth. Yeah, you you give them a chance before you hand them the whole thing. Yeah, you put them in a spot where it's less glamorous, where there's mm. not the focus and the spotlight. Yeah, you put them in a spot where they can serve because you and I came up through the ranks in a non Instagram culture. Yes, we we started serving God before you did that in real time in front of people. Yeah. You only did it in front of the people that were there. And right. when I started, there weren't many people there. Nor I. So, it was a <laughs> high know, school, Sunday school class. The in Instagrams Athens, would have Georgia. been pretty thin right. when I was doing Oakwood Baptist Church yep. Tuesday night youth group with yep. nine kids. Right. Uh, but that's where we started, and we were really in it only because of the calling. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any money in it. Yeah. There was no Instagram in it. There was no opportunity really in it. It was just, I feel God has called me, and he put these nine kids in front of me. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm going to get to go share Jesus with these nine kids? Right. And I'm not saying we're better than anybody else. I'm just saying we didn't have the challenge. You, Someone asked you the question, what do we, older generation, what do we need to speak down into the next generation? And you said, understand what it's like to grow up with social media in your hands, mm-hmm. you know, and the dynamic of how that's changed life. And I really do think it has changed life. And I'm really, really glad I didn't grow up yeah. in that era. And so I think for us, we're trying to put people in situations where they get to serve, contribute, be a part, mm-hmm. but maybe they don't get recognized. It's not visible. It's not super flashy. Yeah. And calling will come to the surface in those places mm-hmm. because people will be like, man, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be in the story of God, period. I'm happy right. to be in this story. And if people bump up against that and brush up against that and you see them kind of getting in a hurry, like, hey, I don't know if I really signed up for all this, then you're like, oh, you were just a, a friend of ours. Yeah. But you're not somebody who wants to build with us because mm-hmm. building is gritty. Yeah. And it is a grind. It's still a grind. I mean, I still am grinding to build Passion City Church and to lead this movement. It's 
it's not easy, and yeah. it looks easy, you know, because we filter it and put our highlights on yeah, right. uh, on online for everyone, but it's still pretty gritty day by day. I was saying to Hoke before you got here, like he was telling me about y'all doing a car ride to a bookstore to do a signing and doing stuff on the way, and I was like, you just don't quit grinding in this. In, in our faith life, whatever God's called you to, whether it looks public or private, yeah. it just doesn't stop requiring a lot of you. It's a, it is a sacrifice of praise. I mean, that's, that's crazy, but that's what the psalmist said, bring a sacrifice of praise to God. God didn't stop grinding. Jesus didn't yeah. stop grinding. He didn't go two and a half years in and say, man, this is getting really old. Right. He just kept going until he finished. And then he mm-hmm. said, done. Mm-hmm. And we, we're not there yet. I'm not to the finished yet, the yeah. done mark yet. And until I get there, I want to keep going hard, you know, and I'm 60 years old, almost yeah. 61 years old, but the Holy Spirit supplies you the energy yeah. that you need to do the thing that God has called you to do. And that happens at any age. Christine Kane was here this weekend speaking at an event we hosted, and she's 52 years old. Man, I, I dare any 22-year-old to spend two weeks with her and, and keep, keep up. up. I know. I don't you think know? I so know. It's about calling and about the unction of God that comes on calling, because yeah. God would never call me or you to something that He wouldn't give us every resource we needed right. to do that. And I've, I'm a... I'm a big fan and a proponent of the thinking that God never gives you the resource you need for the next moment, but He mm-hmm. will give you the resource you need for this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to... One of my friends that was on the show said, you have to run the mile you're in. Yeah. Ryan Hall, before you can get to the next mile, you got to run the mile you're in, and you have what it takes to do this one. Okay, so a ton of my friends... Like, I'm thinking if I had all my friends sitting in here with us who, like like me, have grown up with you. I mean, you were, I came to 722. Oh my word. That's in 1999, so cool. 1998. Wow. I mean, you, I sat on the floor of 722 from Athens, Georgia, so that I could be under your teaching. But now so many of us change careers. I've changed careers. I started as a school teacher and now I'm this thing. <laughs> How do we know the difference between switching careers and giving up on something? Well, I think that if you jump out real fast, first sign of hardship, first sign of struggle, first sign of uh, what we talked about just a second ago, that it's a grind, Yeah, that's probably I'm just giving up on something. Mm, okay. And so when, I, when somebody says, man, this is really harder than I thought it was going to be, but I have a new opportunity, I'm like, wow, you may have just missed something right. fantastic. Because right. I know like thinking about what we're doing with passion um, it, it was a little bit exponential. I mean, we started with 2,000 students on the first conference we did, but this oh was gosh. pre-internet and yeah. pre-everything. Yeah, what year was that? That 97? was 1997. Yeah. No, no mobile phones, no internet, no computers. Um, but we all knew. <clears throat> I mean, all my friends knew. We all knew it was happening. Somehow, you know, word traveled back then. Yeah. I don't know how, how, how did we do that? I you know, don't, must listen, have been, I don't know write, how we gonna, all got to Georgia gonna, football games on I'm time. I'm going to write my friends right? and tell them, <laughs> you know, this is something <laughs> that you should know about. <laughs> but it's been up and down, Passion has, and I'm really glad I didn't jump out when we got into some of our tough seasons because wow. we're reaping now. And that's the thing, you know, it, people don't understand the principle, I don't think, of sowing and reaping. And when you plant a tree, you're not going to have orange juice that year or the next year or the next year, maybe. And if you give up on that tree in three years or four years, you may give up on the harvest that you Mm. really were intending to have all along. So I I think some of it's just time and it's wise counsel. 
it's not making these kind of decisions on your own. Yeah. It's not getting around your two friends over a coffee going, hey, man, my <laughs> aunt out in California, you know, has got an apartment and she said we could live there right. and blah, blah, blah. Let's go. Right. Call your boss that afternoon and say, hey, I got a new opportunity. I'm going to be a whatever, whatever, and I'm out. I think it's getting wiser counsel than that. Yeah. Of people who can say, hey, maybe that is a good idea. But what did you commit to? Oh, you committed to being here this year. They're counting on you. So you're not going anywhere until this year's over. Yeah. And you're going to serve this year with joy, not like, hey, I'm just biding my time till I do that new thing. Right. So I think it's attitude. It's not stopping just because it's hard or changing because it's hard. And it's wise counsel. And if that flame of that new thing never goes away, never stops burning, um, then that's a good sign that maybe you should start exploring another lane. Yeah. But believing that that lane's going to be there when the timing is right for me to honorably mm. get to that mm-hmm. lane. Right. And I think right now it's easier just to put my blinker on and jump in that lane today. And I think that creates a lifestyle of instability for a lot of people. They're like, hey, whenever anything gets hard, whenever there's a challenge, whenever the wind is too strong, I'm yeah. just going to change lanes. Yeah. You know? And um, I, I really believe that we're going to possibly miss out on some of the payoff yeah. of all of the grind and the effort and the belief and the sacrifice and the prayer if we do that. Yeah. So we got to hang in there uh, and honorably make those changes. But man, the flip side of that is, Annie, that you don't want to get stuck in a lane going, I'm just over here being faithful. Right. You know, you were a right. school teacher, I think, right? right? Yeah, so yeah. you don't want to go, well, I don't want to let anybody down. You know, right. you got little Johnny here and I'm going right. to be around till his brother gets here and yeah. that's four more years. Right. And told the parents that I'd stick around. So I'm here in a job that I know God doesn't want me in mm-hmm. for four more years just to be faithful. You, you couldn't ignore that fire, right? right? There was a flame burn in your heart, but you did it honorably, and um, God honored you when you yeah. did it that way. Yeah, he's been kinder to me than I deserve, that is for sure. Uh, the sowing and reaping is so interesting to me. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that, uh, purely because I'm thinking about a conversation my counselor and I had last week where I said, why is this still here? Mm. Why? How do we have another layer of pain that might be costing me that mm. I wasn't sure of? But even in my own personal life, I'm not waiting on reaping. Yeah, I'm going like, look, I've done the work of counseling. Why am I not better? Quote, yeah. quote. We don't, you know. But I mean, that's true in in physical health and spiritual health and in emotional health that we should be patient with ourselves. Yeah, well, it's called Instagram. Right, I know. It's, it's the not worst. called, you know, we used to have Latergram. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. <laughs> when we went to go get them uh, you know, printed. There used to be a Telegram and then there was a Latergram and now it's Instagram. And yeah. Instagram is a mindset. Oh, it's wow. not just a social media platform. It's a mindset. It's our all of our mindset. Everything now is, wow, used to you would send something in the mail and they would send you something in the mail. Now you go online and you get it tomorrow. But, oh, what if I could get it today? Yeah. You know, what if I could get it today? And so we are creating an AI world where a drone is going to bring me a package at my front door so that I can get it today. Mm-hmm. Now think about all the other repercussions of that, that my neighbor's trying to have a quiet moment in his garden while the drone comes flying over, dropping right. off my package that I need today because right. I needed the toothbrushes now. <laughs> and I wasn't willing to drive to them. And I couldn't go to the CVS for crying right, out loud because right, right. that would be too complicated. Right. And I think that this this mindset is something that we have to we have to take aim at. Jesus did not live in an insta-anything mindset. Yeah. He lived in a process-oriented, purposed 
oriented mindset. And he knew that if he stayed faithful, did what his father asked him to do, went all the way to the finish line, that you and I would be sitting here alive. Right. And so he trusted that process, even though he could have hit eject a hundred times, a thousand mm-hmm, times, mm-hmm. could have bailed. Even on the cross, he said, I could still bail right now. I could still bail right now, but he didn't. And so when I follow him, when I model after him, when I listen to him, when I look at him, he pulls me back into the, right. the process, and he pulls me back into the don't be weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you mm. don't give up. I right. think our translations probably say if you don't faint right. and lose heart. And fainting and losing heart are the nemesis, I think, of this generation. Uh, and we can go back to it a hundred times. And I'm the old guy, so thanks for having me on. And everybody's going, yeah, that's the way old people talk. My grandfather, <laughs> no, no, no. my grandfather says stuff here. like that. No, no, but no. it's true. Uh, fainting and giving up are gonna be the Achilles' heel of this current mindset that we're yeah. in. And nothing good. Nothing. I mean, name something that's great that didn't require sacrifice. Uh, we just celebrated Mother's Day. Yeah. Well, that's pretty hard to do. Right. Having a child is not very easy. Right. But man, um, thank you, mom. It is a lifelong commitment, right? Thank you, mom, for that, you know? That is, I I mean, the, for starters, you're not the old guy on the pod. We love having (laughs) You had some older people than me? Yeah, Tom Tanner. You know Tom Tanner? Well, I mean, he's like, (laughs) he's only a couple years older than me. (laughs) We've had some older people, but I Is he getting around okay, Tom Tanner? Yeah, yeah, he's walking fine. He's walking fine? He's still doing all right over there in Marietta. Yeah. But, but but couples like you and Shelly are so important to me because the thing at my funeral that I want preached is she didn't give up. Mm-hmm. I don't. I please don't talk about my book sales at my funeral. Please don't talk about podcasts. Please say she just didn't quit, and and I'm scared. I don't know how to not quit, and so I need you to tell me these kind of things. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that um, that's a great thing to have said about us at the end of our life, that mm-hmm. we didn't give up. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had, when we planted this church, um, I went to my pastor, Andy Stanley. Yeah. And boy, that was an awesome lunch. 50 years <laughs> of age, both of us sitting across the table. And I say, Andy, I got something I need to share with you because mm-hmm. I hadn't told anybody. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, oh, I know this is weird, but uh, I feel like the Lord's really releasing Shelly and me to plant a church together. And wow, he just looked at, I'll never forget it. We were seeing this restaurant in Alpharetta and bless him. He's such an amazing guy. Uh, the smartest guy around, yeah. smartest leader, best leader. He looked at me and this is what he said, Annie. He said, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, wow, that's very affirming and encouraging. Right, right, Man, right. I Thanks, feel like buddy. I've made the right decision. And, he, and, he, and in a kind way, he just said, wow. He goes, this is a lot harder than you think it's going to be. Mm. This is a lot harder than anything you've ever done before. And most people do all the stuff in life so they can get to where you are. So right. why would you at this age want to go back and put yourself through all that all over again? Right. Well, I was naive in that day, Annie, and I thought... Oh, no, 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 we're not like a normal church. No, we're going to plant the church, uh-huh, quote unquote. Uh-huh. We're going to plant the one that doesn't have problems, that doesn't have people frustrated, right. that doesn't have people leave, that doesn't have somebody stabbing somebody in the back. We're right. not, not that church, of course. No, right. you know, a great church, you know. And I learned a few years later, you know, the big disappointment of planting with church was realizing, oh, we're going to be like 
every other church. Mm. We're not, you know, immune to humanity. Right. And starting with human. me. Right. You know? And so it got to where some hard times, and I said to Andy, man, I don't know if I can do this or not, or I yeah. want to do this. And he said, hey, we're going to make a deal, you and me. You can't quit until you talk to me face to face. So no matter how hard it gets or how difficult, yeah. we have to talk face to face. And so I said, great, you know, I'm not planning on quitting. So sure, I'll make a deal with you. Mm-hmm. Well, there came the day that I texted Andy and I said, hey, just want to let you know I'm quitting today, Wow. Uh, probably around noon. And you said that I needed to tell you in advance. And so I'm telling you, yeah. I'm quitting today, just letting you know, heads up. And he goes, no, 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 text back. No, that wasn't the deal. The deal was we have to talk face-to-face, and I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, so I can't do that today, but I oh, can wow. meet you tomorrow. Great. I'll put it off. I'll quit tomorrow. Right. And of course, like all everyone listening to us right now, every mother who wanted to get in a car and drive to Timbuktu, right. every dad who's listening that said there was a day I thought if I could just get on a plane and fly to yeah. Cleveland and never come back... Yep. To every young adult here that's thought about checking out of life altogether, every one of us on this podcast gets to the point of, I'm out. Yes, But the good news is, if we don't quit, (laughs) oftentimes, not every time, oftentimes we wake up the next morning, and guess what? We don't want to quit. We don't want to quit. So I had a friend who said, go ahead and quit. Yeah, really? You know, just quit. Quit at 6.30 p.m. I quit. I'm done. I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. And yeah. then wake up the next day and go on with whatever it was yes, that you were doing. Yeah. But I woke up the next day. Of course I didn't want to quit. God called us to this. But it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Man, that's just nice to hear that <laughs> that still happens. That you still have days where you want Man, that to was walk yesterday. away. <laughs> You're like, Andy, you, this almost got canceled because I almost quit yesterday. But luckily, Andy. No, I was still going to be on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I just was. <laughs> You're like, that I part just, of my job I'm going to keep doing. Yeah, I just wasn't going <laughs> to. You're like, actually, I was yeah. going to see if I could start co-hosting. So anybody Passion City Church-wise, that was a few years ago. It's a lot of years ago now. Yeah. But I'm not saying I won't get to that point again. And yeah, I don't really so mind true. being transparent like that yes. because... I, I, I can't imagine anyone listening to us right now that hasn't hasn't or isn't right. in a window of, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And what I learned and what Shelly and I have really tried to like hang on to in our life is that hardship does not equal God's not in it. Mm. And so many people That's said, man, it. you know, I was I was really thinking the Lord was in this. But this is hard. And I'm like, right. those two things are not mutually exclusive. Right. Hard, difficult, challenging, costly, sacrificial, and God's anointing is all over it. Those things are not, they don't cancel each other out. And a lot of a lot of people just make that mistake. They assume if God is in it, then it's gonna be uh, just a you know, a breeze, if you easy. will. And I'm yeah. like, sure, that's that's the way it was for Paul. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just look at the Super Bible. You easy, got all, you know? the, Peter, all the examples. No issues. Stephen, man, he had a great ride. <laughs> um, Jesus, yeah, I mean, Jesus you just go just down the list. You know, so right. the harder, the hardest moment of Jesus' life was where what we celebrate most. Yeah. So I think that if you and I can grab onto that mentality and say, "Man, there's there's a there's a power in pressing through things." Yeah. There's a power in waiting on God in the hardest moment and then getting the gift of seeing that breakthrough moment where light shines again and music mm-hmm. plays again and mm-hmm. you, you, you smell air again and 
you breathe again. And I just believe God is, you know, when we did one of our early passion events, if I can tell a real quick story, oh passion gosh, 2003, the second one day, yep. one day 03. Yep. Man, what a, what a crazy event. Uh, a lot of our team was like, I don't know if we should do this. Um, I what thought city? Uh, Sherman, Texas, yep, okay. north of Fort Worth, Dallas, on a guy's ranch. And we had some people saying, I won't name any, Shelly, that, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know if we should be trying to pull this off again. It's a feat, you know, to try oh, to get gosh. 20, 30, 40,000 people to camp outdoors somewhere and have an event. And so we, we got this word from the Lord, we thought, from the, the scriptures, pretty clarifying. And then we got some confirmation, so we set out to do it. We got there, and about 10,000 people had already camped out. This is the night before the event really officially started. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the storm came there like Texans know about. I mean, not red, not orange, not yellow. A purple dot sat on this place. It hailed, it lightninged. People got struck by lightning. Um, Everything got swamped out. Tents got washed out. The whole thing just crazy. Well, lo and behold, the Lord blew a breeze and dried the land. And the next night, cars drove on the land. It was... Oh, my gosh. And Beth Moore stands up and says, I think the Lord answered our prayers when we said, we want you to come. Well, I think Mm -hmm. He came. Mm -hmm. I just don't think we had any idea how terrifying it would be when He arrived. Wow. And we were like, whoa. Yeah. You know? And so we had this event. Because of this, this is another pre-internet era. We couldn't update people in real time on Twitter. Uh, I'd say probably 20,000 people turned around and went home. Really, just and thinking that just the, you know, surely sorry. this thing's over. Yeah, so yeah. we ended up having twenty plus thousand people there, but we lost about a hundred grand. Oh my and gosh. Um, so when we walked away from that field, we were a hundred grand down, and we were just like, "Man, we don't know." Well, God answered that prayer the next weekend at a wedding reception. Boom, connection, doom, bam, 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 hundred grand. We're <gasps> just done. handed to you. Uh, well, Ish. not at the reception, yeah, but yeah. It came the next Monday morning. But oh, somebody had a connection. Gosh. Hey, you need to talk to somebody. Hey, this person, that person. Conversation happens. I'm going to send you the hundred grand on Monday. So now we're whole. But we forgot, Annie, that we had payroll that week. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> So this is, I mean, we're not, we're not, the event is whole. No, we, our organization now is back to zero. Yes. And now we've got payroll. And man, anybody back in that era, well, it was an amazing time. And I'm like, okay, Lord, we've got payroll coming up and we don't know what we're going to do. We've never missed payroll. We've never missed a bill. We've never not paid anybody ever in our whole history. I don't know what we're going to do. Phone rings. It's a guy in Chicago. He says, hey, I feel terrible calling you, but my father's organization made a gift to One Day 03. And they sent the check to me and asked me to forward it to you, and it got put on my desk, and then some papers got put on top of it, and then some more stuff got put on top of it, and it's been sitting on my desk for three weeks. And I just moved some stuff to find something else, and I'm like, oh my goodness, the check for Passion for One Day 03, I am... So sorry, but I'm FedExing it to you. You'll have it in the morning. And I'm like, great. Thank you, Lord. And he goes, oh, and by the way, our payroll, by the way, was about, uh, I think it was like fifty or $60,000, something in that zone. And he goes, it'll be there tomorrow. And are you thinking like it's $2,000? I don't know what it is, yeah. but at this point, I'm, I'm optimistic because yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. Because the, the wedding reception thing the <laughs> yeah, weekend yeah, before. Yeah. He said, oh, by the way, it's a check for $75,000. Oh, my gosh. And I was like... So we've been over here trying to figure this out, and God has been looking at that check on that guy's desk right. the whole time. Right. 
every conversation we've had about, man, what are we going to do? He's like, well, what are you going to do is I'm going to move those papers on that guy's yes. desk and he's going to yes. see that check that's sitting there and yes. he's going to call you and send it to you. That's what we're going to do. And I think for all of us today, God sees all the things that he has in the pipeline to bless us, to resource us, to encourage us, to support mm-hmm. us. He sees all of the stuff in the pipeline. And I think, you know, maybe we don't know some of those stories because we we bail out too quick too before yeah. the phone rings and God gets to come through with what he'd planned all along. How many times has that happened in your life, a story like that? A lot. Um, just more than I can remember. In fact, I was telling uh, the Lyft conference this weekend, I wish I was writing this stuff down yeah. because I don't have a great, I, me- I don't have a, journal. I don't have a great memory for things that were, you know, in, in three, four, five, six years ago, I might could remember something 25 years yeah. ago, but just the way God moves in all of our lives, it's not just me, it's anybody right. walking with him. Right. There are these daily, you know, events that unfold that if we chronicled them all, it would be kind of, you know, like what it says about Jesus. If all of the things he did were written down, <laughs> yeah. the world couldn't contain there weren't enough books. the books. Yeah. And I don't think any of us have that much going on, but right. I mean, there'd be a lot of books. Right. If we could remember, identify and remember all these little moments. Mm-hmm. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Louie real quick to tell you about our friends over at She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth. You guys know that they are such an important part of what we do here. And listen, can I just be real honest with you? I know that reading the Bible every day can be hard. It is for me. And there are days when I honestly feel stuck. And I'm just so grateful for my friends at She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth because they provide beautiful and accessible Bible reading plans that guide me and hundreds of thousands of other men and women across the world in reading God's Word together every day. There are a lot of different ways you can read the Bible with She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth. They make it so easy that all you have to do is show up, read today's scripture, do it again tomorrow. You'll be amazed at what a difference this can make in your life and in your relationship with God. You can grab a study book, which is my personal favorite. They're so beautiful and filled with scripture-rich extras. Or you can download the She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth apps, which include digital reading plans, the full Bible text, and lock screens for your phone, which I constantly use. Or you can read online or sign up for daily emails if you prefer that at SheReadsTruth.com or HeReadsTruth.com. So our friends over there at She Reads Truth want to help you get unstuck and equip you to read and know your Bible and through it to know God. And you guys, our friends of That Sounds Fun listeners, you are getting an exclusive discount, 20% off of She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth products with the code TSF20. So that sounds fun. TSF20. Just go to shopreadstruth.com. Again, that's shopreadstruth.com and use that code TSF20 and get 20% off of their products. So you guys go, 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 go get you some stuff for the summer reading and getting ready for the fall. Don't miss out on any of it. TSF20 is your code. And now back to the show with Louie. The thing I do wrong, Louie, is sometimes I'll go, I think I'm seeing where this is going. So I'm going to start writing this down because I know where this story is going. Yeah. The Lord's like, bless. I need you to pump the brakes because yeah. you've started writing a story I haven't written. I appreciate you noticing, but don't keep writing the story yeah. until I do. Absolutely. But I, I think those kind of stories, like yours, you just told, 
they are just so important for us to remember and hear because God sees what we do not see. Yeah. And he knows what we do not know. And we forget, I, I can't speak for all my friends listening. I'll speak for myself. I forget how big he is. Yeah. And he's just handling it. And sometimes he just goes, Annie, I'm handling it. Yeah. I've got it. I wrote this book about fatherhood and broken fathers. And I had a good dad. He wasn't perfect. And he had basically no dad. Mm. And I discovered later in my dad's life before he died what a miserable life he had had. Really? Um, in fact, my dad told me a few years before he died, he was in the hospital having his second brain surgery. He'd become disabled the last few years of his life through a brain virus. And we were in the hospital, and Dad and I never had common ground around Jesus. We had common ground around many other things, but really not about faith. But he was a, a good dad, a great dad, and a genius of a guy. But he's pretty broken down these last few years and disabled mentally and physically. And I was just trying to share the gospel with him. You know, those the awkward moment, anybody listening that knows that, yes. where you're trying to tell your own parents about Jesus but yet they have all the information. It's just not revelation. you know. Yeah. And I said, Dad, God loves you so much, and He really does have a plan for you, even though all this is so hard. And um, <clears throat> my dad looked down on the hospital bed at me, Annie, and he said, no one ever loved me, and no one ever wanted me. Now, I knew my dad was an only child. I had heard, you know, the the stories that his parents split up and he was passed around to different family members. He was with an aunt and he was with a grandmother growing up and he went to all three high schools in his town in four years. Wow. But he never talked about it. He never talked about his dad. His dad, dad died when I was a baby. Um, he never talked about any of it. And all of a sudden it just comes out and he said, he's looking right at me down the hospital bed. He said, no one ever loved me and no one ever wanted me. And I don't believe God loves me and I don't believe God wants me. And you talk about like arresting the moment. I mean, I could, couldn't breathe. I was like, right. oh, and you know, you just can't come back to that. Oh no, dad, God really does love you. And we all love you. I mean, I just, right. all of a sudden saw my dad wasn't just my father. He was somebody's son. Mm. And so I'm writing this book for a whole year and moments like that are coming back up and, other people's brokenness is in in the, right. in my view, and right. it's a heavy year. And I just want to know more about the Giglios, you know, mm. the Giglios, you know, right. the ones that came from Palermo. But Dad didn't tell me anything about his dad. He never mentioned his grandfather ever. I mean, never, not one time. So my great grandfather, clueless, sixty years old. Here I am, turning in the manuscript, Annie. Yeah. In December, just this past December, and a few weeks earlier, I had my dad's cousin passed away. And I'd gone and done the funeral. And there were some Giglios there, just a handful. And I didn't know that side or part of the family super close. But at the funeral, I came home saying, I've got to figure out who my family is. Right. Did I anybody get, write this down? Does exactly, anybody remember anything? That's what I'm asking. Yeah. So I come home, fast forward. About two weeks later, it's the night before Passion 2019. I'm sitting at my desk a few miles from where we're sitting right now. Uh -huh. And I have three letters on my desk that came to the office and I know they're from my dad's cousin's son, his sister, and his wife. So I know they're oh, wow. thank you notes from the funeral. And I don't sure. want to get into them the night before Passion because sure. I'm totally focused. Right. I say, I'm going to let these have their moment after Passion. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit just nudges my heart and says, no, you need to open them now. Oh, wow. First one, thank you from the son. Second one from the sister, thank you from the wife. Thank you. And I wanted to remind you that... 
her husband, who had just passed away a few years earlier, he sent you this information on your great-grandfather. <gasps> and I'm like, yes, he did. And, it and came you had in that not man- thought about it. It came in that manila envelope. Oh, and when I opened really? it, there was some stuff in there from his brother's funeral. And I thought it was all about his brother's funeral. And Shelly and I moved right when that happened. And I'm sitting at my desk. 24 hours away from giving a message on a perfect father at Passion, just turned in my manuscript, not forsaken. His wife doesn't know any of that. Right. I'm like, are you kidding me? And right there, four feet from where I'm sitting is a drawer, and I think the folder is in that drawer. Uh -uh. I open the drawer, I pull it out, Uh -uh. and I take all the stuff out (laughs) in it, and sitting at my desk is a photograph of my great-grandfather, Vito Aloysius Giglio, all my family's from Columbus, Georgia. Our part of it are the only ones who moved to Atlanta. Uh-huh. My great-grandfather lived in Atlanta, and there's his address. There he is in front of his house. There's his birth certificate. I mean, his death certificate. He died on Valentine's Day, 1954, at Grady Hospital. Oh, my gracious. Across the freeway from where I was born. Right. He's buried in a little cemetery 28 minutes from where I'm sitting. In the flight path of the Atlanta airport, every time I've flown into Atlanta and out of Atlanta, I have flown over my great-grandfather's grave. My word. And I've never heard a thing about him. And it was as, I'm not, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, and I'm not trying to be mystical, but it was like a letter fell out of heaven onto my desk at the end of the process saying, Louie, A, Good job on the book. Yeah. B, it's the right place and the right time and the right message. Yeah. C, I love you yes. and I want to bless you. And so I picked the letter back up now that my jaw is on the floor. Are you and crying? I'm looking. Yes. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't believe this stuff has been in that drawer for yes. the last five years. The whole time you write this book, even. The whole even. time. And now Gosh. I'm looking at all this stuff and, I, and there's a handwritten genealogy of my family all the way back to Italy in this stuff. I mean, I'm just like, That's there's a census report of my dad living in my aunt and uncle's house in Columbus, Georgia. I mean, a yeah. handwritten census deal. And so I picked the letter back up to go, okay, what's the next paragraph going to say? Because right. that's the first few sentences. And she says, I just wanted to make sure you saw this material because it's so important that we all have our Father's blessing. Mm. Wow. And again... Um, that folder's been in that drawer. God knows it's in that drawer. Right. I've been in that drawer a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But at the right time, in the right moment, in the economy of God, he he pulls pieces together. And when I stepped up to speak at Passion, I was in Dallas, and we were linking four venues in Mm -hmm. three cities. And it was challenging. A few things had happened technologically, but I walked out there, Annie. I've never been more confident or peaceful. Really, in your in whole my life, life. Yeah. it was as if God was standing there with His arm on my shoulder, mm. just saying, "Go." Yeah, this is going to be so good. Yeah. And I didn't tell that story that day, and um, you know, I. But I think that's what we're talking about. These moments, yes. you know, where um, I mean, all of our confidence is in who Jesus is and what God has written to us in his word, right? Mm -hmm. But through our lives, God puts people in our lives and circumstances in our lives and these moments in our lives just to say, I'm with you in this. And I couldn't have been more awestruck 
uh, God's kindness to me in that day. Passion ended, and Shelly and I got in the car, drove over there, opened the gate in this little primitive church graveyard that has about a hundred people buried in it. And um, is it still a church? Do people still meet there? I think they might meet there on every third Wednesday. Right, you know, it's that right, kind of place. Right, right. <laughs> it's about yeah. as smaller than this room. Right. Um, but you know, and all by himself, his wife. I don't know where she ended up getting buried. She remarried. I don't know that part of the story. Just there he is by himself. No other Giglios in this cemetery. He was buried there because he was divorced, and the Catholic Church wouldn't give him a funeral in the Catholic Church, so he ended up at this little primitive church in a family of his wife's family getting buried there. And just to walk up there and go, man, this is crazy. And about that time, sure enough, Delta Jet flies over, Uh you know? And I'm like, man... So every time I come in and out of Atlanta now, it's perfect. Yeah. I'm just like, Vito. Yeah. I love you. Yeah, and I love like, that I your name you. is Vito. Yeah, for real. Vito. <laughs> Not Vito V-I-T-O Giglio. either. Vito. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Vito. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Not Forsaken, but can I back up to one thing you said? You said you felt the Holy Spirit nudge you to look at mm-hmm. those letters. One of the things we love talking about on the show is how to hear God. Mm. How did you know it was the Holy Spirit? Does it matter? It, whether it was Holy Spirit or not, how, how do you know his voice that clearly that you knew to open those letters? Well, I think I always say, you know, growing up in my life, that the, the, the more you know the Word of God, the more you know the voice yes. of God. Yes. And I think that is the bedrock I would lead people to. But, you know, the Spirit leads us. And oftentimes that's not through like a verse of Scripture that pops in our mind. Sometimes it's like we're driving home and he says, hey, you should stop here. Yes. Or you should go this way. And when you do, you realize, oh, you wanted me to meet that person. Mm -hmm. Or to get on a plane or on a train or whatever and say, Lord, is there anything you want me to do here? And yeah, see that lady up there? I want you to go and talk to her. Yes. And I think the only way you can really characterize that is to say, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. You know, sometimes it just could be me thinking I should talk to that person, and other times it could be the Spirit of God giving me that thought. Yeah. Um, and you bear those things out carefully. And so yeah. the way I do it is I don't really know sometimes if that was me going, I should read those. I don't think it was because I, I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, you know what? That needs a moment and it needs my yeah. focus and it needs my attention. And it's going to, this is precious. These letters are precious material. Yeah. And I want to really be able to turn my heart toward those. And I've got one hour before I have to go to a meeting, and then I'm off on the passion deal. So I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Right. But the way you end up knowing in in hindsight is you test the spirits. This is what the Scripture says. And you go with it. And if it doesn't work out, you go, oh, okay, I'm not sure what happened. But what I try not to do, Annie, is to broadcast on the front end. Okay, I feel like the Holy Spirit now oh, is leading me to open these letters, yes. everyone. Um, everyone, look, you know, I'm going to do it live on I'm, Instagram. I feel the Holy Spirit leading me now, <laughs> or the right. Lord spoke to me and said, that's go right. to the Publix. You know, yeah, the, yeah, or yeah. in the Publix, the Lord spoke to me. I, I try to reserve the Lord spoke to me to Luke 4, 9. Okay. And then the rest of it, I'm like, I feel like the Lord's encouraging me. Yeah. And I always yeah. put feel... Not because I'm insecure about my relationship with God. I just yeah. think that it honors Him yes. that I'm not going around broadcasting. Yeah. I was having coffee today, and God spoke to me, and God told <laughs> right. me, Annie, that He wanted right. me to tell you. Right. I'm just like, I, when I have a word for someone like that, I say, you know, this might be the Lord. It might be me. Yeah. And then I share it, and I walk away. 
Yeah. And that way there's not all this pressure of, yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. now I'm always you like, know, you can announcing. throw this away. If, it, if this doesn't feel anything for yeah. you, you just throw it away. But I can't quit yeah. thinking you about it. You know, being a leader, I'm, I, it's not unusual for me to get a couple of those in a week span that are opposite mm. from two very kind people. Right. Hey, I felt like the Lord wanted me to write you and tell you Dude. that, you know, it's going to be blue. And then the next person, I really feel like the Lord is trying to say, this is going to be purple. Right. And, and here's the verse, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. And um, isn't the royal color is purple, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and the hem of his garment, that little tassel might have been purple. And, <laughs> right. You know, so purple is your color. And I'm like, well, it's either going to be, might not be blue or purple, but it can't right. be both probably. Right. So I've always tried to take words with a measure of test the spirit yes. and hang on to the truth of the word of God. And I always try to give words in that same spirit. Yeah. And it seems like it depressurizes things. Yes. And then That's really good. how do I, do I think the Holy Spirit led me to open those letters? 1000% same, I do. Same. Yeah. This thing was a, That's one of the most ridiculous crazy. things right. that's ever happened to me in my life. Right. And um, and that was just one of a couple things in the four days of passion that happened like that. It yeah. was a very wonderful and crazy time. Yeah, I, I'll tell you my most profound passion moment, and then I want to talk about not forgiven. A couple of years ago, you and Andy were on stage, and you had your youth pastor on stage, mm-hmm. Mary Gillerstedt. Yes, and at the <laughs> time, and still, I was mentoring some young men in Nashville that are baseball players. And I have a picture standing between the two of them. Oh, wow. And y'all brought her up between the two of mm-hmm. you, and I fell apart watching mm. it. I was like, it, it just, it, because being a woman in the South, there's these rules around what Christian women are supposed to do. And so for y'all to model, like, hey, a woman can invest in young men's life in an appropriate yeah. way that leads them toward Jesus, set me free to invest in those men even more wow. and more of their friends. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff I want God to talk to me about when I get to heaven is like, hey, books were great. Fine, fine, fine. Stage was fine. But those like baseball players you used to eat dinner with, mm. that that multiplied. Yeah, well, you know, Mary was our youth director because in 1950. Nine or 65 or 70, whenever that was. I was born in 58, so that must have been around 1969 or 70. You couldn't be a youth pastor and be a woman. Right. So she was the director. She was the youth director. And she still works at First Baptist Church Atlanta. Does she? Mary. To this day. I'm telling you, that woman front row of heaven. I'm going to be the one in the back row. I'm going to be the door holder. And those are the people that are getting to... Getting to see him first. She's amazing. I was texting with her on Mother's Day this past weekend, and man, I she just was a legend in our yeah. lives. But she still is. Yeah, you know, she's still a force. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, so thank you for modeling that for me. Yeah, because that meant a ton to me. Well, you know, I I know we got to move on, but I really believe in honor, and I, I I think it's an important. I think honor is one of the currencies of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and it's uh, important to visibly and verbally acknowledge yeah. that none of us are the product of our own ingenuity. Boy, that's the truth. That we're all the product of other people's investment. Yeah. And so I've had Dr. Stanley come to Passion yeah. and open Passion. Yeah. And actually it was pretty great because he, I think I can say this on the podcast, but you know, he didn't really know what Passion was. I mean, he'd heard about it. Yeah. But he walked into the, I think it was in the Georgia Dome, and um, he was just like, Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then Crowder played a set. Uh-huh. And he'd come up and sat next to me. 
And uh, Christine Kane was about to speak. Uh-huh. So she's sitting in front of us. Dr. Stanley's sitting next to me. And I feel like we're in a third world country because I'm interpreting right. passion <laughs> to him as it's going down. Right. And uh, he's like, now, who is this guy? There's Crowder. You know, I'm like, well, he's, you know, he's actually a really amazing guy. I know he looks yeah. a little sketch, but <laughs> he's, he's amazing. He's going to go to your church. I said, yes. Did he write these songs? I said, yes, sir. Yeah. Are you kidding me? He has a... <laughs> The spirit is on this music. Oh, wow. And then Christine gets up to speak. She is tearing it up. And he yes. goes, now, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> I said, that's Christine Kane. He goes, who is Christine Kane? I said, she's probably the one of the biggest voices in the church in yes. the world right yeah. now. And he goes, this message is incredible. I want every pastor in America to hear this message that she's sharing. Wow. And then finally, she comes back to her seat after the talk. He tells her that, I think. That yeah. was amazing. And then now there's a, oh, now it's Crowder. So Crowder's coming up for the after part, and uh-huh. he was supposed to go. He's older. Yeah. And hey, this is he's Andy's only going to stay. Yeah, this people. is his dad. Yeah, yeah. He's only going to stay a little while. He prayed the opening prayer. He decides he's staying for the whole Crowder thing. Yeah. He's not going anywhere until the very end. And then the best part of it was Carrie Underwood had come out to do a, uh, to sing with Crowder, sure. kind of unannounced toward the end. And she was freaking out. All she wanted to do is get a picture made with Charles Stanley. <laughs> and so they're crossing paths like backstage before the session started. And finally, her people came up to his yeah. people and said, Hey, Carrie Underwood really wants to get her picture made with you. And he's mm-hmm. like, Okay, well, who's Carrie Underwood? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm just thinking, This the is best. legendary. Yes. That this is-, is legendary. And I think honoring people, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a third of the person. Uh, that I am right now without Dr. Stanley preaching into my life the Word of God from yeah. seventh grade until I graduated from college. Yeah. And he's a hero to, to me. Mary Gillerstedt's a hero to me yeah. and, and other people in our lives. And yeah. man, I think sometimes we just figure, hey, I'm doing my thing. It's like, no, I am standing on somebody's shoulders. Yes. Well, I feel that way about you. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful for how you've <laughs> yeah. spoken into my life for 20, yeah, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And 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 spoken into my life in a way that you said you always said things that made me think I could do anything for the kingdom. Mm. You never let me feel from a stage like, well, Annie could go do this and this, but not this and this. Yeah. So so thank you. Yeah, I'm I awesome. am I am here because of you. Um, okay, so not forsaken just came out. Who did you write it for dads or is it for any of us that have a dad? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a tricky thing. I'll try to say it super fast because I've talked too much, but um, <laughs> no, but you it have is not. a podcast. We're loving it. Yeah, that's right. Um, the book originally was a series of messages called "Seeing God as a Perfect Father." Okay, and it really wasn't aimed at brokenness because I started sharing this message like thirty years ago. Right, and not to say that there wasn't brokenness thirty years ago, but there wasn't no fault divorce thirty years ago, right. and there wasn't one in four kids growing up in a home without a dad present. 30 years ago. That math is unbelievable. One in um, four. You know, there wasn't uh, Jordan Peterson out there talking about fatherlessness or Mm -hmm. Warren Farrell writing a book called The Boy Crisis. I mean, this stuff wasn't happening 30 years ago. But people needed a, a, I think, a a jolt, if you will, in their understanding of God, that yes, He's sovereign and He's glorious and He's mighty and Lord and omnipotent and all these things, but all of those are encompassed in Father, mm-hmm. and all of us know what that means to come and put our arms around a father, yeah, and to call him Abba, which isn't really daddy, but it's pretty close to that, right. you know, it's intimate. And so, that revolutionized my life when I was coming through high school and college. That this great creator God 
is father and I'm mm-hmm. son. And that's mm-hmm. the central relationship. Mm-hmm. So the message has been seeing God as a perfect father. And as time has gone, we've had to deal with earthly fathers. Right. Because if God wants to be father, then what's the enemy want to do? He wants to destroy fatherhood. He's the worst, Louis. I'm telling you. I, I, I just could not hate a thing more than the devil. Well, I know. It's just the and worst. if he if he sees that Jesus is teaching us, when you pray, pray like this. Mm-hmm. Our everybody say it along with us. Right. Our Father, Father right. Not our sovereign boss or our great king even, yes. even though he says hallowed be your name, mm-hmm. he is not an ordinary father. Right. And Jesus didn't say my father. Our father. Yes. Father. This is the idea then the enemy is going to put fatherhood in the crosshairs oh, and crush okay. it because if he can then a lot of people listening to us right now are going to have a huge hurdle in front of them mm-hmm. in coming to God as a father. Right. And trusting him and believing in his belief for them and flourishing under his blessing. And this is real. This is happening right now right. in the lives of people listening to us in this mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's all a strategy of the enemy based on God wanting to reveal himself as a father. So I talk a lot these last few years about the absent father and the abusive father, the passive father, the performance-based father. Oh, I'll give right. you the blessing, all right, but you got to earn it. Yeah. Or the, antag- home run. Yeah. the, the antagonistic father. Mm. Um, and, but then I talk about the empowering father, too, because a lot of mm. us have great dads that we are thankful for. And I talk about, here's the central premise, that God isn't the reflection of our earthly dad. He's the perfection mm-hmm. of our earthly dad. He's not just a bigger version of our earthly dad. Yeah. He's the perfect version of our earthly dad. He's everything we always dreamed of mm-hmm. and more. Yeah. And so the book isn't really for fathers. The book's for people. Yeah. And it's not actually just for people who had broken relationships. We went with Not Forsaken as a new title because the times are changing. Yeah. And there is an aimless uh, generation floating around out there that feels not, they don't feel empowered. They feel paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't feel believed in. They feel chopped down. Yeah. And they're trying to overcome a dad who walked out the door because there was another family in Denver who he wanted to live with, mm-hmm. with some other kids, right. a new wife. And, you know, the dad says to the kids, hey, baby girl, dad's going to be moving out, but I need you to know one thing. This is, this is about mama and me. This is something daddy has to work on. Mm-hmm. This is all about daddy. This is not about you, baby girl. This is about daddy. And... And, it, and it's as clear as a bell coming out of dad's mouth. Right. But what's going into little girl's mouth, ear, right. is it's all about you. Right. This is all about you. There's something you There's could have something done. There's something wrong yep. with you. And man, you, you spend 10, 15, 20 years working that out. I, I mentioned in the book, Peggy Drexler in Psychology Today, this article blew my mind. And, um, but just reinforcing how powerful this need of a blessing is. She studied 75 women at the peak of their lives, high achievers, uh, killing it in their careers, Mm -hmm. great families. And she used the word surprise. She said, I was surprised to discover that all of them still viewed their success through the lens of what their father thought. 100%. Isn't that amazing? Me too. Me too. <laughs> and, and I'm so, 38 years old. You know, old. you can own a business, yep. you can be a CEO, you can have your own family, you can succeed and crush it and write books and 
be a pastor and do all this stuff, but somewhere deep underneath is still that, what does dad think? What does dad think? Yep. What does dad think? Is he pleased with me? Is he proud of me? Um, does he believe in me? And so to say that, you know, that's real, it kind of puts a lot of people in a, in a sense of going, wow, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it out of this. Yeah. But the beauty of it is that God is a perfect father, not just a bigger version of our earthly father. Mm-hmm. And there's a perfect blessing waiting for all of us yeah. in a new relationship with him. Man, that's great. Okay, not forsaken. I love it. Awesome. Okay, Louis, so here's what I would love. I don't know that I've ever asked anybody this, so this will be fun. Uh, <laughs> all right. You know, when so many of us listening, myself included, as I've said, are so um, grateful for your work and your calling. Tell me, and you'll probably do this for 30 more years, let's give or take. What do you want people praying for you? Wow, that's a great question. And if I'm doing this 30 more years, I will outlive all the Giglios. That's what I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know. (laughs) You have the research. And all the rest of them. It's like, man, I got to make it count while I'm here talking to you right now. I think, you know, people ask me that a lot. How can I pray for you? And I just say, I want to make it. And... I want to ask God for discernment every day. Okay. You know, the thing I pray for my life every day, the simple prayer I pray every day, it's not a, a little prayer, but is Lord, I just pray you'd cover me with the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And I name all the people in our family. And, and I think that's a simple prayer. Mm-hmm. It's not, Lord, help us do something else great today. Lord, give us a big vision today. Lord, we want to see another miracle today. It's, Lord, just cover us in your mercy in the blood of Jesus today. Mm-hmm. And... I know that this is real what we do. Yeah. You know, this is not just like choosing a career. This is real stuff. Right. And so I want to make it. I mean, I, I want to make it to the finish. And I want to ask God to give me discernment every day. It's I think it's the under asked for gift of God. Yeah. Yeah. And discernment is the ability to see things before other people see them and to know things before other people know them. Again, not in some kind of weird mystical way. Just that that God sense of knowing kind of what's coming, yes, um, and understanding the times, uh-huh. and not being so clued out to the laughter of the moment that you're not paying attention to the to the changing tides mm-hmm. and to the gentle winds that are blowing, yeah. so that you can position yourself and your organization, it's a battle your family, plan thing. Yeah. in the right place at the right yeah, time. That's good, Louis. And I I just would ask people to pray the grace of God over my life. Yeah. I want to make it to the end. And pray for discernment for yeah. me because I do want to lead uh, into the future. And I guess if there's a third prayer, it's just that ability that I think is the hardest thing for a man to do, which is to transition and to let go. Mm. And most people that plant churches are 30. Yeah. So they have about a 30 year plan yeah. to transition and let I go. I just made you have a 30 year plan. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> well, but I planted a church at 50. Yeah. So I have a lot shorter transition plan. And I'm not going anywhere today or tomorrow, but I'm also, it's not going to help our organization and our family of churches for me to be the guy 15 years from now. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a lot of talented people and I want to be able to release people and to support them because somebody did that for me. And I want to do that for other people. Yeah. I know you've got a whole uh, bench of people coming up, but I love Ben Stewart. He's one. I mean, that <laughs> voice, his his teaching. I had one of my friends text me when she knew I was coming here. My mm-hmm. friend Jenna Claire and say, "Please tell him how great, how much I love Ben Stewart yeah. at Passion DC." 
So I just think, I think you've done Yeah, people say, who's been steward? And I say, oh, he's just the best Bible teaching preacher in America. <laughs> he's so good. And if they, they so fight good. me on that, I'll say, okay, under 40. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I do you mean, want? How many he, more? Is, <laughs> he is phenomenal. And yeah. um, just the way he takes people through a passage of Scripture, yeah. is it's unreal. He, if you don't, he you guys sees don't, things that yeah. I've read over eight times, yeah. and he'll go, but did you see that this word, and what this word actually means, and you go like... Mind blown. That totally little mind new blown dynamic, version. and yeah. he's hilarious. And yeah. so you're rolling the whole time, right. but it's and not just funny. It's really you. like yep. the whole thing is like, hey, let's all go laugh and laugh and laugh, and then he like pulls the rope up, and yep. the whole yeah, that's just piles right. over that's into right. the truth. Thank you for making time to do this today. Hey, I told you this to beforehand. I'm going to tell you now. You can cut it off if you want to. But I told somebody yesterday, I said, I don't know. I finally have arrived. <laughs> I'm going to be on the Annie F. Downs podcast. <laughs> You're here. Okay, but we have to do the last question. Okay. The last question is go. always, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, I have to know what you do for fun. I'll tell you something we did for fun recently. Okay. Um, we went on a lark to see the Northern Lights, and that sounds fun to me. Oh, that's a, a lark. I, Who ever goes on larks anymore? I had seen them uh, 30 years ago in Alaska, and it blew my mind. Like yeah. on a scale of 1 to 10, I saw probably 12 northern lights. Oh, wow. And if you've ever seen them at that magnitude, it is a mind-boggling experience. I cannot explain it. We'd have to do another podcast. It's like I got saved. I had a baby. I got married. I started a career. Somewhere right in there is Northern Lights. It's Northern Lights, yeah, I mean, they're that just good. Nuts. Okay. So I was speaking in Norway a year ago, and I got a little shot of them. Yeah. Lucked out. Yeah. We flew way up north, way way up to the northern part of Norway, way above the Arctic Circle, above okay. Iceland, all, above wow. all of Alaska, above half of Greenland, and we got a little shot. And I told Shelly, "Babe, we're going back." So yeah. we went for the weekend. Brilliant. To Norway with our friends. And we had basically two nights in Tromso, Norway, and uh-huh. we saw the Northern Lights both nights, oh, which man. is crazy. The Lord just did that favor, yeah. And we met some wonderful friends. And you know what? Somebody said, "I can't believe he flew all the way to Norway and back just at a chance of seeing the Northern Lights." And I said, "Well, if we didn't, we would have had a great trip going to Norway." Yeah, back. that's right. It's a win-win. And B, if you see the Northern Lights, it'll hold you for the rest of that year and part mm-hmm. of the year after that, and maybe wow. some of the year after that. I mean, it's super inspiring. So what sounds fun to me is getting some friends and heading out somewhere on on the chance that something fantastic might happen. That is good. Oh, friends. I know. I know. He's just the best. I'm just so thankful. Just so thankful for his wisdom and his writing, and I just loved it. If you are not following Louis across the internet, uh, why? I don't understand you guys. You need to be following Louis. It's Louis Giglio, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. And as we did with Shelly and as we do with many of the voices that are have spoken into our lives for a while, make sure you tell him thanks. Not Maybe not just for um, this show, though. Thank him for being on the show and making time for that. But also... As he said, honoring is a big part of us doing our faith really well. So if you get a chance, you can send them a letter to Passion City Church. You can tweet him, Instagram him, send him an email, and just thank him for his investment for the last (laughs) for decades. Hey, if you need anything else from me, embarrassingly easy to find, as usual, Annie F. Downs all over the place. F as in father figure. That works. It's two Fs, you guys. I did it. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you'd want to find me. That is how you can find me. 
And if you have a friend that you know would enjoy the show, why don't you go ahead and share it with them and invite them to listen and, and be impacted by Louie's words again. And if you get a chance to rate and review the show, that always means a lot. So what am I going to do for fun today? Well, I am in my hometown, and so I am going. There's one little mountain here called Kennesaw Mountain, and I am going to go listen to a podcast and walk up the mountain. That is going to be what I do for fun this afternoon. I hope you will go out and do something that sounds fun to you as well, and we'll see you back here on Thursday. Y'all have a great week.